Welcome back to another episode of Keone Chats. If this is your first time checking out the show, I welcome you. And for those frequent listeners of the show, and uh, they, they know that during my first 50 episode run, the episode releases were back to back to back to back. And so once we got to the 50th episode, uh, that's where some things shifted in terms of knowing that uh, this is a hobby that I'm very passionate about, but a lot of other aspects of life just kept building up and up and up. Not saying that this is not the show is not a priority because this is a priority for me, uh, but a lot of life has a lot of life just keeps going on. And so um, thank you uh, for sticking around. But yes, episode releases uh, seem to have slowed down to about once a month. But I have some ideas on how to create new content and how to kind of repackage myself. So uh, stay tuned, stay, you know, social media handles. I'll mention those in a second, but uh, just follow, keep following the show, keep uh, an eye on all of the audio platforms. And uh, yeah, so I'm excited. And speaking of those audio platforms, so the show Keone Chats can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio. And so uh, new episodes are announced on social media, and you can follow the show by using the handles at KCMedia13 on Instagram and Twitter, and at Media on Facebook. Episodes and other creative content is available on my website, so that's KeoneConlu.com, K-E-O-N-I-C-O-N-L-U.com. So that's where you find some photos. Uh, I did, went, I went camping over this 4th of July weekend, decided to bring my camera, uh, the, it was called dispersed camping, which Olin and I talk about in this episode. And the main attraction of my photos was, uh, Mount hood, which, uh, for those of you that are not of Oregon, uh, Mount hood is one of our, uh, one of our many famous mountains. So, uh, if you want to give it a quick Google search, then that could help paint a good picture. And so, uh, yeah, those photos, I'll, I'll push them out to the website as well. Uh, and then DC Animated Review Series is a blog series I'm very passionate about. Also, watched a couple films that were released in 2023. Not that, I mean, it was good, but not as good as previous years. So um, we'll see what the rest of the year has. And then the NFL mock drafts. Obviously, this is no longer mock draft season. But, you know, if you just want to see what uh, what I thought in terms of who would get what or who would go where, uh, it's always fun to just keep a good look out for that. So, yeah, like I mentioned earlier, my guest this week is Olin Muller. Uh, Olin and I met in middle school, and while he was about he was one year younger than me academic wise, our paths always seem to run into each other. You know, it's one of those, hey, uh, how are you doing? Separate for a little bit, and then come back again. And so uh, we did dragon boats together, and when we weren't paddling or having class, our social circles were very similar. We would kind of hang out with the same people, and so that was. That was pretty fun to uh, just have an, uh, like a retrospective view of it and just know that hey, this guy, he and I are pretty much the same. I and mean, we get along very well. Um, and my earliest memory uh, of Olin is just having all of our conversations together. And so I don't always remember the spec- specific details, but I just remember it being very easy, very flowy, a lot of fun. He, he's a jokester too. So, um, but yeah. And that held true during this interview, and uh, it was just so great to reconnect with him. Uh, and we talked about his unique path after high school and some of the 
different different trackways he went down that also stems from his impermanence that was uh, installed in him at a young age during middle school. So um, we talked about all of those things and also uh, his next adventure and the work he is putting towards being an air traffic controller with the FAA. And so however you are in taking this episode on whichever platform you prefer, I hope you enjoy my chat with Olin Muller. Olin Muller, what a life it's been since I've last seen you. Man, it's been a while. Well, I mean, okay, so I guess to kind of uh, not counting our most recent hangout, I mean, this right. is our, officially our second time reconnecting, but uh, yeah, I met you back in the, our, you're about a year younger than me, high school-wise. High school-wise, yeah. I think you were in seventh grade? I was in sixth grade? I think so. Yeah, so we, yeah, middle school, we we both came from Cedar Park. Cedar right? Park, yeah. yeah. So it's one of those like, oh, I think now you look back at it as you grow up, you're like, oh, crap, yeah, we... We've been kind of like connected somewhat for at somewhat. least. Yeah. And like kind of drifts apart and then comes back together and drifts apart and comes back together. For at least like 15 years, something like that. Yeah. Almost as long as we haven't. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, so when I, my earliest memory of you is, uh, I think not counting dragon boats, it's just remember seeing you with long like two kind of like a little past your ears flowy hair obviously no facial hair yet but i was just like okay this kid he can he has some thick luscious hair and as an asian man that has thick but not luscious to like you know kind of waves out or Mm -hmm. as you as yours does i was always like good for that kid good for that kid (laughs) is that more of a mom or dad thing in terms of like full-on I have a lot of hair in that from that genetics. Um, definitely more on my dad's side. My mom's hair is kind of thinner. Um, my dad's got really long, luscious hair and the, kind of the hippie hair, yeah. so to speak. Um, and so growing up, my mom was always like, "Oh, your hair's too long, gotta get a haircut. Oh, your hair's too long, gotta get a haircut." And I turned eighteen, and I was like, "You can't tell me to get a haircut anymore. I'm just gonna let it go, let it grow." Yeah. Because um, I would always go to the barbers, and they're like, "Oh, you have such great hair. You have such great hair." So I just like chop it all off. Yeah. I was like, well, then why are you? cutting it so i decided to let it go part of it was laziness rebellious you know whatever mm-hmm. um but i think there's also like a spirituality aspect that goes into yeah. long hair a little yeah. bit i think there's i mean you look at a lot of cultures like uh, japanese cultures it's a sign of honor it's a sign of um honor family yeah. respect yeah. um there's a lot of you know indigenous cultures that use it as it's their spiritual spirituality it's yeah. their connection to the earth and so i think there's a lot to be said for you know all of the experiences over the last 12 years are somewhere in this hair hmm. like i i hold on to all that i keep all of that with me and it's with me wherever i go hmm. there's a little symbolism to that yeah i have a friend who's a native american and his hair is usually pretty long but i think he uh, also cut, you know, I think I mean like shaves the side or something like that. Yeah. Just to, you know, keep it fresh, modern. Um, and uh, I, yeah, I do remember uh, going to one of his, uh, I think indigenous people paddle events. Cause he's also, he's a dragon boater paddler. Oh, okay. uh, so just seeing everyone else that's a part of his, his, his tribe and how long their hair is. And also seeing like, yeah, everything in movies mm-hmm. and TV. It's like, Oh, okay. I think it was, was it the Civil War? 
There was some war a long time ago, and they, um, I don't remember what tribe it was, but they were uh, brought into the army as trackers. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they, people would try to, like, sneak up on them in the middle of the night. Nobody could sneak up on them. Nobody could, like, outwit outwit mm-hmm. these these people. And then they cut their hair off because they brought them into the army, um, shaved their head, army crew cut, and yeah. then they came up to them. And, you know, they were able to sneak up on them in the middle of the night. And... Mm-hmm. Uh, Samson and Delilah kind of scenario too, you know, their, their powers were gone mm. and they asked him, well, what happened? What, like, what changed overnight? You cut our hair off. Like yeah. you, you took our radar, you took our, our antenna, so huh. to speak. Now, uh, the research, it seems like you're very well researched and not just, you know, hair and the significance of it, uh, the history. Um, it, it's just like, I, I feel like you've always been one of those, like you find something fun and then you kind of dive deep into it because like i have my my mom's my mom's partner he's he's like the same way so Mm -hmm. that's i kind of got that same vibe of like you both really like knowledge yes i'm a very curious person like oh how does this work um you know taking things apart as a kid and putting them back together like how does this work okay cool on to the next thing Uh, um do you remember the first thing you kind of took apart and re-put apart re-put put back together um, that's a better grammar (laughs) i like re-put apart though (laughs) um Oh man, I just remember like deconstructing toys, like taking, um, like trying to find battery boxes inside of like stuffed stuffed toys and stuff. Opening the Velcro and looking at it, and like, oh okay, what's how does this work? Mm-hmm. Um, and my dad always had a lot of tools, so being able to put things together with screwdrivers and understand like, okay, how do these pieces fit together? Yeah. Uh, the earliest thing I can remember, I mean, besides like deconstructing pens, you know, in oh, elementary yeah. school. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Finding little springs too, uh, and then you lose it. You're like, uh, oh, this well. pen's done. <laughs> that was great. Thanks, man. <laughs> uh, okay. And so as you're kind of like getting into life and whatnot, again, during high school, I wasn't sure exactly what jobs you were doing, but mm-hmm. uh, I, I guess officially I put it on record congratulations on you know putting in your two weeks and moving on to Thank something you, else bigger I appreciate uh, that. but to my memory the last thing you just the, the job you just left mm-hmm. uh, was still in kind of construction or no it was oh god what were you just doing <laughs> it's a it's just warehouse work warehouse just distribution work, yeah. I'm driving a forklift around so big big toys yeah moving pallets unloading trucks um we deal with a lot of like wine bottles for wineries, moving boxes. That's right. That's right. Um, which is great because we get free bottles of wine every once in a while from, yeah. our, from our customers. Um, how did how did that job in the warehouse and just any kind of job because you did work at Lowe's for a little bit? I did. Um, and Home Depot and those X like, hardware store, Y hardware store. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. How how would those jobs kind of satisfy that like deconstruction and then putting it back together? Kind of just like. Doing a lot of things with their hands, too. Sure. Um, well, especially, you know, working at Lowe's and especially the smaller mom-and-pop hardware store. Somebody comes into the store a lot of times because they don't know how to fix something in their yeah. home. And they present a problem and they say, hey, I've got a leaky faucet or this light switch won't work. Um, how do I fix it? Mm-hmm. And so it's being able to, you know, take knowledge that I previously have but also just having this open puzzle and figuring it out. Okay. So what, what tools do you have? What knowledge do you have? How can I explain this? What kind of budget do you have? Yeah. That's um, also big. That's big. And so, you know, people come in looking for help and looking for an answer. And so to be able to one, you know, connect with somebody, you know, somebody's wearing like a Seahawks hat yeah. and you can also talk to them about their outside life and not just, Oh, you need a, you need a circuit breaker for your, for your box. Okay. Have a nice day. It's like, you get to make connections with people. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so for the part of the deconstruction is, yeah, having those people come in with a problem and then walk out with the solution that they need. Mm-hmm. That's very satisfying. Uh, but there was also, we had a customer that would come in and he would just walk around, walk around the store for, I don't know, half hour, maybe once a week. And he'd buy like a, a box of screws or a screwdriver or whatever. It was always something small. Mm-hmm. And after he came in for a few months, he, uh, he went up to one of the managers. He's like, you know, I really appreciate coming in here. Uh, this is actually at the orchards over in Beaverton. Yeah. And he said, you know, I really appreciate coming in here because everybody's friendly. Uh, everybody like makes my day. Turns out he had a terminal illness. Oh. And part of his weekly routine was just going in and making friends at the hardware store. Wow. Yeah. And so, you know, you hear that. It's like, oh, you know, we're doing more than just here's a box of screws. Yeah. Um, here, let me fix your screen for you. Like you get to connect with people on a little bit of a deeper level. Hmm. And then... When it came to, let's say, use just client as an example. Yeah. Um, when do you start picking up like, oh, this I've seen this guy more than like X amount of times. I, I kind of want to start knowing his name, knowing his story. Sure. Uh, like, you know, example, like my, my partner and I, we go to this Black Rock coffee place, like right down the street. Mm-hmm. And we see the same people over and over again. We're like, I feel like we should ask for their name, but it's just like we feel weird asking because <laughs> they don't. I'm like, I'm like, and I'm not sure what orchards, uh, what uniform they had, but it's like. You know, they don't have a name tag, so it's like I, I can't just be like I memorize you by visually seeing by it visuals. over and over again. Sure. So yeah, when did you start thinking like, yeah, you know, I'm fine opening up to this guy and then getting to know him? Um, I mean, I think that's just kind of how we tend to read people, just in demeanor. Like mm-hmm. you, know, you do the same thing like if you're at a bar and you meet somebody, you can have a short little conversation and then go your separate ways. Um, and you know, for me, it wasn't even necessarily like I'm asking their name to remember their name because I'm terrible with names, yeah. but I'm great with faces. But there's that connection of like, hey, I respect you. Yeah, I want to know your name. Let's have that like mutual respect a little bit. Mm-hmm. Shake their hand, ask their name, and then next time they come in, I'm not going to remember their name, but I'm going to remember their energy and I'm going to remember their yeah. face. Yeah, that was also kind of um, fun from when I was working at you know when I was in customer service where it's like. Yes, I'm not going to remember who you are, like your name, but it's like I remember that I sold you this thing and I helped mm-hmm. you with that. And then uh, I think it wasn't until later on in my working career where I was like, oh, I can ask, oh, we did this. How how's that been since you've had that introduced that we've introduced that into your lives? And then, yeah, like, oh, yeah, we're good. Thanks. This has been great. And I was like, cool. Making a difference. Yeah. Sort of. Sort of. Sort of. Making somebody's day. You know, we're all in this together. Make it easier on each other. And then uh, have you kept up with that uh, customer uh, since you left or do you, do you like your friends back at your previous at that workplace? Have they? Um, a couple of them. You know, there's a couple connections that you make with coworkers that mm-hmm. yeah, definitely keep up. Um, actually, my roommate is somebody that I met through Orchards and he moved down mm-hmm. to San Diego and then moved back up. And so we're living together um, right now. And so people that are listening from maybe like, let's say, cross country, they might uh, here, Oregon or Washington, and they have an idea of like, oh, their their homes are very like outdoorsy. Their homes are very like kind of rustic and old. Um, when you were working at Lowe's, Home Depot's, Orchard, mm-hmm. what kind of like alterations did you do your home and be like, this this feels good? I I did something with my hands again. Um, well, you know, playing with fun lights, being able to create the space with different colored light bulbs. Yeah. Um, just being able to, you know, fix a leaky faucet on my own and not always having to call the guy. Yeah. You don't have to call the guy necessarily like, oh, I know I can get a discount on this at work. I know how this works because I've sold it to yeah. 10 people over the last week. Um, 
A lot of Christmas decorations too. It's yeah. always a lot of fun. <laughs> your, I imagine your supply closet or just your extra storage unit is probably pretty packed with with Christmas stuff and maybe some Halloween. Some Halloween stuff, yeah. Okay. Lights, uh, lights and stuff. Which is, you know, I'm in the middle of getting ready to move, so now I'm having to go through all of this stuff and realize, okay, whatever doesn't fit in my car, mm. I don't need it. And so, yeah, that extra supply closet, that big old toolbox that I have, um, how much of this is really important to me right now? And so mm. it's kind of quantifying and qualifying everything in my life and saying, okay, do I need this? Do I need this poster? Do I need this bookshelf? Yeah. Um, and I, the idea of like minimalism, is that something that you have dabbled with in your time before, you know, you you jump into this most recent work position, which again, we'll, we'll talk about in a little bit. True. Um, because I've I've thought about it when I left college and got back to Portland and I was like, okay, I have a lot of shirts. I have a lot of clothes. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe I should reduce some of these things. So it wasn't until like I got to, you know, start dating my partner right now where I'm like, okay, I buy one pair of shoes. I take out one pair of shoes and then try to keep things as even as possible. Sure. For for you and again, the, the vibes I've been getting from you since I've known you, it's that you just want to get by with as, you know, much you can carry on, the, on your back as you, you can, basically. So is that something you're, you know, dabbled with in terms of minimalism? Um, not not really until now. It's just kind of always been the way that it was. Like I'll use my pair of shoes until they run out, and then I'll replace them with another pair of shoes. Oh. Um, you know, I'll, once my bed is done, get rid of it and get another bed. Um, okay. It's kind of been out of just necessity. And now it's that idea of, okay, now I have to really be minimalist. Yeah. Uh, growing up, you know, we had a bunch of stuff, a bunch of boxes that my parents just kind of moved around from house to house, and there's it's still in boxes. Like mm-hmm. 20 years later, all of this stuff is still in boxes. Really? Um, yeah, just un- <laughs> un- unopened, unpacked. Oh man! Um, and so it's that thing of like, okay, I haven't seen this in 10 years. Do I need it? Yeah. And now, now that mentality is taking over a little uh... bit. Um, and so excited for my next chapter um, yeah. to be able to, you know, kind of start over a little bit and realize, okay, I'm getting out of, you know, the twenties and whenever my wants and needs and stuff were there. And now what kind of stuff do I want to have on the wall? You know, what kind of, do you want to have all these like comic book or superhero related things all over the wall? I do. Like, I want like everything this. in here. It's amazing. <laughs> like some, some podcast host that you might know of. <laughs> uh, so you, you were one of those. Um, so I, I didn't experiment cause it wasn't that I was kind of running dry on like who I can ask to be on the show, but it was just like, I knew of this, you know, the high school alumni Facebook group. And I was like, yeah. okay, well, let's 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 post something out there and see if who would be interested. You were the first one to write back to me. Hmm. And, you know, I obviously I know you before then, but I was like, oh, holy crap, that's Owen, Owen Muller. It's like, I haven't heard from him in forever. Yeah. Uh, and uh, your, your message you wrote to me, which I have it up right now, uh, there is one line that kind of – Again, thinking of the timeline of your life. Um, so you said, if I can read this verbatim, um, you have gone from middle schooler living through house foreclosures and car repossessions to government job with high security clearance. Uh, that Middle schooler with house foreclosures and car repossessions. Yeah. What was that? Uh, what was that like just to know that the house you grew up in is kind of moving further down the line in terms of most recent homes. Um, it was confusing. Like yeah. as a middle schooler, as somebody who, you know, doesn't understand loans in the housing market, it was really confusing. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I knew my parents were stressed out. I knew there was a whole lot going on. And this was, I think it was about 2009. Mm. So there's the whole market bubble and everything, yeah. um, everything going on. But it was really confusing, you know, oh, I have to pack up all my stuff and we have to go somewhere else. Mm. Um, and similar things happened over the years. And so I kind of got an understanding of like, oh, okay, there are things in place here that are leading to these events. Mm. Um, but it definitely instilled an idea of like impermanence. Mm-hmm. in my living situations. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, to have like my family home that I grew up in with the creek in the backyard and where my friends would all come over, um, it was really hard. Yeah. Um, moving away from my friends that I grew up with. Uh, everybody, you know, my buddies who were two, three streets over, not being able to see them anymore and having mm-hmm. to kind of reinvent myself with new kids in the neighborhood or in the apartment complex, whatever it was. Yeah. And I mean, in 2009, like we didn't have, we didn't have phones or mm-hmm. at least like if we did, it's like shared plans with, at least for myself, I had to share a phone with my brother who is again, if I was in tail end of middle school, he's just starting high school. It's like, I don't have that availability to mm-hmm. grab a phone and call. Someone. Right. So, yeah. I didn't, I didn't get my cell phone until high school. You know, we used landlines and yeah. you check the caller ID. It's like, Oh, that's who, that's who it is. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, to some degree, we still do that, but you know, caller sure. IDs, which is a glorious thing. Um, so as you're kind of, you know, getting ready for this next chapter in your life, mm-hmm. uh, this in sense of impermeability is, is that still kind of clicking with you right now and knowing that, okay, I'm about to leave Oregon. Uh, I mean, it's going to suck, but I'm not going to be, it's not going to suck that bad. Yes. That's, yeah. that's kind of where, where I landed. You know, at first it was leaving my family behind. My family's here. I'm leaving my friends behind. I'm leaving my job behind. Like everything that I've built over the last 30 years, mm. I'm just setting it aside and walking away from it. Um, but then the idea is, no, it's all that foundation that I'm still taking with me. Um, it's not like I can't come back. It's not like I can't sure. hop on a plane and come see everybody. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that in that impermanence is definitely something that I'm taking with me. You know, this next step is going to be a three month step. And then from there, the future is open. And that mm-hmm. could be a five year step. That could be a 10 year step. It could be the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a, a traveling around is one thing also, mm-hmm. but you know, just knowing that you're going to be away from your home and family for a, like, you know, let's say a weekend or something like that. That's, yeah. that's never too bad. Um, but you know, yeah, just this whole, like you're going to be gone for X amount of time in, in continuity and in, in continuous. Mm-hmm. It's like, Oh man, am I going to remember how everything is? It's like, <laughs> yes. Yeah. In Oregon or in like in the Beaverton, Portland area, it's like, everything's upgrading like i i we i try i drive by sunset in our old high school mm-hmm. and it's like there's a new field there's a new this there's a new that, there's a new that. the sherry's is gone now it's a bank it's yeah 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 what the hell and so when it comes to uh just seeing new things in old places it's, how do you wrap your head around that um i mean it's tough because you know we, we place so much emotional value in some of those memories like you know high school good or bad like there's emotional connection to that and to see yeah. a change is a little difficult. I think about, you know, you go west towards like Chill Sherwood and mm-hmm. there's so much development going on. There's these old farm yeah. farmlands and ranches and stuff and now it's just ticky tack houses on the hillside and they're all made out of ticky tacky. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's difficult, but that's I mean that's just kind of the world we live in. Like there's always change going around. Yeah. Uh, what's that old cliche? The only thing Constant is everything's always changing or something like that. That's a good cliche. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
So it's going to be weird to come back and see like, oh, 217 is done. And now oh, like, yeah. oh, so, so, so. Yeah. 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 Um, oh, this highway is still a shit show, but now it's a bigger shit show. Yeah. I mean, and um, so, yeah, I would go up to Washington, like Seattle, for example, for mm-hmm. like a weekend. It's always the, the Tacoma area that's like had always construction going on. And you know, my yeah. partner, she went up to, she went to school in Seattle area. So she's mm-hmm. always like. Yeah, it's always been like this for as long as I live there. And then I think we went up a little more recently. And it's like, oh, they they actually have it finished. It's like a nice but weird feeling to know that like this like long term project is finally like completed. Sure, it's like, sure. oh man, is this what a new life is like? <laughs> weird. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so you know, during during our high school days, again, kind of jumping a little bit backwards again, mm-hmm. um, we. Yeah, we did dragon boats together. Yes. So that was kind of like our like you know, we, we kind of kept that like we were on that same trajectory together in terms of same middle school, same high school, but then dragon boats is I think I feel like where we really, really cross paths. Like we would say hi to each other sure. ever so often. We were both in, in the football programs and stuff. Like yeah. there was commonalities there, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so um I one thing I also remember from you is that you you your friend group was also very much in the theaters, the the mm-hmm. Uh, the acting, uh, I remember, and then randomly it came to my head. I was like, "Oh, you're uh, anyway, in my research." I was like, "Olin has an OM- IMDb page. Look at this Do guy." I? Yeah, I, I actually didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how I remember. Like, oh yeah, you were in uh, a little short snippet of this mm-hmm. movie called "Running in the Dark" by uh, one of your friends, Brian Fitzgerald. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, who is still doing in the film business? And I think he lives in LA now. He's doing really well for himself. Is he really? Yeah. If you hear this, congratulations, Fitz. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and then when I remember when I was starting out in college. Uh, I went to community college and they're like, you should do like this theater class. It'll help you kind of, uh, you know, get you out of your shell. So when you were doing theater and also with your friend group Mm -hmm. that also likes to be very like animated and all that, how did that help you kind of become who you are today? Um, It really gave me confidence to just kind of be myself and be weird. You know, I always was kind of felt like a reserved, kind of a shy kid. Um, And then I realized that, you know, it was a real opportunity for me to just be accepted for who I was, not because I wasn't accepted before, but I could just kind of let loose and I yeah. didn't have to, didn't have to worry about that necessarily. And it was, it was fun to, um, interact with people just kind of spontaneously, yeah. um, in a, in a performance setting is a lot of fun. You know, you're always putting on a show, so you're always trying to go a little bit over the top, a little bit over the top, a little bit over the top. Uh-huh. Um, improvisation was always a lot of fun, just kind of making stuff up on the spot. Um, and make people laugh was always a lot of fun. And make people cry. Uh, yeah. You know, performed monologues. It was my senior year. And we would have to rehearse. We would have to rehearse. And just, like, having somebody in the audience have, like, an emotional reaction to something that you're doing, you know, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting feeling. And so uh, why did you not... Did you, why did you not continue on with it and potentially pull a fits or, you know, where you could, you know, be in the acting realm or be a director? A director or, or, you know, honestly, I don't know. I don't know why I didn't pursue it. Um, It was just one of those things. After high school, I went, I went to work and I can make X number of excuses. I just didn't pursue it. I remember there was, I went to one, like a modeling acting agency and they're like cool yeah we'll sign you up give us 250 dollars oh. i was like oh no i'm oh. doing this because i need a job like yeah. you give me money <laughs> <laughs> i believe that's how it works <laughs> like okay well if you walk away next time it's going to be 500 dollars if you come back to us and i was like oh 
which, you know, you've got to get headshots. You've got to have an agent represent you. You know, there's, there's a lot of upfront costs. Um, and that was for that, whatever specific, I could have gone into, a um, you know, community theater or whatever. I just didn't, I just didn't pursue it. Okay. Okay. Well, instead, you know, you, you got out of high school and then you, uh, pursued a band. Uh, so, uh, we talked about this mm-hmm. in our little reconnect. Mm-hmm. And so I thought that was such an interesting idea. And then when you actually executed it, I was like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, to my best memory, again, help me fill in the blanks from off. Uh, you met some people. Was it through work? Um, no. So actually it was my, um, my parents had really good friends. My dad bartended, um, with actually my best friend who I grew up with. We were yeah. only children, um, born five months apart and his dad's played in a band for 30 years. Um, no more like 50 years at this point. Hmm. Um, and so they've always had the space to just kind of be free and open and play music and, uh, I was kind of been keeping up with him, like playing guitar and trying to trying to do things. So we've always been playing music together. Mm. And then we, one of my buddies from high school was like, "Hey, you want to come over and like play drums?" Mm. He's like, yeah, absolutely. Hey, do you want to come over and like sing and play guitar? And so we would just kind of accumulate people and we just hang out and play instruments and drink beer and yeah, kind of that same kind of that same interaction like with uh with an acting. Yeah. Uh, like a theater troupe. You're just, you're vibing off of each other. You're teaching each other things. You're having a good time. Yeah. And then, so the idea of hop, hopping in a van and then going to campsites and yes. doing the, yes. the performances, where did that come from? That came from, I mean, just the, I, uh, I, back to the impermanence Yeah. a little bit, back to the idea of, well, let's, I wonder if, let's see what happens if we get out of here. Yeah. Um, leaving the nest and flying away. And so we had the idea like, well, let's pack up our instruments and get in a van and drive to California and play on the side of the road. There's this romanticism to it. Yeah. Um, and so we did, we bought this converted Dodge 350, uh, camper van that had like a sleeper cab and a fold out couch and it had a toilet that we never used because that, the smell would have been horrendous. It, number one only. <laughs> number one only. Yeah. Number two. But, but we're in the we, woods. Gonna, so, you know, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but go. it had cabinets and a fridge and it had a stove and a water tank, um, had a big awning on it. And so we loaded up a banjo, a mandolin and a guitar Wow. and an Australian shepherd and three guys. And we <laughs> packed up in this van and we're like, okay, we're going to, we're going to go. I think we left in like August. We're like, all right, we're going to go and maybe we'll be back for Christmas. And then we're just going to head back out again. We had a whole bunch of provisions. Wow. Um, and we had a lot of fun. Yeah. And we had rehearsed a few songs, like a handful of stuff. And we didn't we didn't have any gigs lined up or anything. We weren't going to go into bars and play. We were just going to try to make money on the side of the street. Mm-hmm. Um, and we did for a little bit. And we had a lot of fun. Um, yeah. And it was interesting trying to like set up on the side of the street and put on this big performance and get like a monetary setting for it was always more difficult than just going back to the campsite and us just kind of drinking beer and just playing, mm-hmm. um, and play, playing for us uh, instead of trying to put on a, put on a show, put on a performance. And that's where we got the best reception Yeah, actually is, you know, we're, we stopped first in Lincoln city and Lincoln city is very windy. So to have it a bunch of acoustic, yeah. acoustic instruments on the side of one one yeah. the sound doesn't travel very far. No. <laughs> and so it was, it was really tough, but we go back to the campsite and then, you know, we finish a song and all the campers around us are all like, that was amazing. Hey. That was great. And I was like, Oh, Oh, you heard that? Sorry. Like, sorry. I didn't mean to like disturb yeah. anybody at the campsite. Um, but it was really, it was really good huh. reception. And, and so 
again, uh, just thinking of how I would be like, you know, have this grand idea of like, oh, I guess in in high school when I was just about to get my license, I had this grand idea of like, oh, I'm going to drive all the way to New York and hit all the northern states. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to drive all the way back to Oregon by hitting all the southern states. But then, you know, as I got older, I was like thinking the logistics of that. I was like, that sounds exhausting, uh, exhausting, <laughs> terrifying. Uh, also, very money draining. Um, yes. yes, all things that we found out too. When, uh, yeah, when we were out there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, how did you handle those days where you didn't make enough to kind of help you get to the next spot? I mean, that was pretty much every day. That was. Every it was pretty much every day. We didn't make enough money. We were um, burning through our funds, and there were a couple times where, okay, well, let's not, let's not travel hundred miles today. Let's just kind of stay here and regroup and kind of figure out what the next plan is. Mm, okay. Um, and you know, like you said, like thinking about it now, there are a lot of things I would have done differently instead of being, <laughs> instead of being 22 and like, oh, okay, we're just going to stop at every campsite along the way. Yeah. Like now I know about dispersed camping, which I didn't know about when I was 22. So yeah. you can go into national forest road and you don't have to pay $40 a night for a RV hookup. Like, oh, that would have helped us out a lot. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah, I just learned about that too because mm-hmm. uh, we were looking to do some sort of like, you know, her, her family and cousins. Like we do a lot of things together. And then uh, they're like, oh, let's go camping like 4th of July weekend. And I was like, sure. And then he said disperse camping. At first when uh, one of the you know partners said that, I thought I meant like, you know, when you disperse because let's say cops are coming. Like disperse, like run. <laughs> oh, <God. Sure. laughs> I was like, oh, it's more of just like. You come. It, it's more like you come in, you you camp, and then you kind of just make do with what's there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Um, pack it in, pack it out is one of the biggest things. You know, whatever you take with you, you want to take out. And I love to camp. I do a lot of camping, and my philosophy is always leave it better than you found it. Yeah. yeah. And generally, when I go into the woods, there's trash everywhere. Yeah. It's, um, it's kind of disgusting. Yeah. I love um, it. But, you know, there are certain certain guidelines like with dispersed camping. The hardest thing is there's no like toilet. Right. There's no there's no yeah, uh, there's no functional bathroom. Um, <laughs> that's the part like when we talked about it, I was like, uh, there's no bathroom. I was like, uh, OK, OK. It's only two days, right? One, two days. <laughs> <laughs> I do math there. Right. Uh, but yeah. yeah. So in, in your experiences with dispersed camping, mm-hmm. like what has been some yeah, some positives and some negatives? Um, I mean, the positives are you can you kind of have free reign to do whatever you want. You can be as loud as you want or as quiet as you want. Mm-hmm. Um, you can play music and you're not going to disturb anybody. But there's also not somebody um, who's playing a movie on their projector while they're camping at the campground next to you. Uh, um, so it's it's really just your space. You can really just immerse yourself in nature and, again, like I said, bring with you whatever you want to bring with you and um, kind of just be at peace. Oh, okay, uh, and so the the band and the time with in a band mm-hmm. um, when it came close to how did you guys know that okay I th- I think this might be close to the end of our time doing this or like I feel like I'm ready to start trying other things or was it kind of just like your own decision or that you feel like other people were like I think we're ready I think we're good um, well there was kind of that feeling already like yeah i think we're, we're kind of ready like we didn't really know what we were in for we kind of put on shoes that were too big but there was also some um family uh medical situations that were going on yeah um and so we decided like family is most important like we have to we have to go home for mm-hmm. this we have to be with the people who are who are ill who are not doing so well and they're fine now like everything everything we're worked good. out great but it, yeah. it was that decision of like okay what's most important right now we got to go back for family like, yeah 
and we still kept playing music, um, not as regularly as we were before. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. that was, that was the time that we were like, nope, it's time. Yeah. And did you, I mean, you can always have like a backyard show. Yeah. There you go. Sure. Just, you don't have to charge anyone or just be like BYOB, bring your yeah. own stuff. Bring your own stuff. We'll do a potluck style. Like, yeah. There you go. And See. it's always a lot of fun. And then there's, and then it takes the pressure off of it. Like yeah. I can screw up like I always do when I'm playing guitar and nobody cares because nobody paid to be here. Yeah. They're all just friends and family or just exactly. you know, fans of, fans. of you, mm-hmm. which, uh, what is it like saying that, <laughs> that you had fans? <laughs> It's kind of it's, it's kind of a warm fuzzy feeling like yeah. somebody enjoyed enjoyed what we did. Yeah. Uh, one of our biggest fans is we were down in Ashland. We were just playing on a park and we had traded some. We were making jewelry and stuff at the time, so we traded some tapestries for jewelry mm-hmm. uh, with a woman who's down there, and she had a little three year old, two or three year old daughter. And we were playing music, and she was just dancing and like she was singing along to what we were playing, and she was singing in key too. Wow, and she was like she she had the notes like perfect, had a great voice, and we told the mom like. Nurture this. Like you got, you got something great <laughs> going on here. This is great. But she was just dancing and just smiling and having a really good time. And it was just that pure joy from like us making music. It's like, oh, this is really cool. Yeah. Um, we had somebody. They were leaving early in the morning after we were, you know, practicing and doing whatever. And they went into town and bought a thank you card and came back and left it like on our picnic table before they left in the morning. They're like, hey, it was great falling asleep to your music last night. Thank you. Wow. And so they went out of their way just to buy us a thank you card and then bring it back. And I was like, wow, that's, that's really you didn't, nice. You didn't have to do that. Like there's, yeah. there's no, but, but thank you. Like, it's nice to know that, that you appreciated it. Now, when it comes to your art and then also people like acknowledging it, um, is there any kind of like flat, like sirens that go off in your head? Like, oh, are they sure they're, are they really appreciating me? It's like, are, um, I, I didn't think that I was like, you know, worthy of like their praise or just like, I didn't think I was that great at what I did. In the case of like me in these interviews, it's like, oh, I, I stuttered here or I said uh, a little bit too much or mm-hmm. it's like, oh, oh, I didn't really bring up that point. And then I'm like, I'm more harder on myself because it's like, I, I know I can do better, but it's like for other people like, you know, say you or any other listener out there and they might reach out and like, you did great. I'm like, are you sure? Are you sure? How, how do you handle praise for your, for your art? Um, well, I am definitely my own worst critic. Um, but I also think you're a great interviewer, Keone. Oh. So don't be so hard on yourself. Um, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, but I think there's, I think it depends on how we view our own art. Like if you really enjoy what you're doing, you think it's a good job. You're like, Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, you know, there's, there's denial like in praise to like, Oh, you did great. It's like, no, I didn't. Like I screwed up here. I messed up yeah. here. Um, I played this note wrong and that's, you know, that's, I think that's my ear listening for the things that went wrong. It's yeah. not my ear listening for the things that went right. Yeah. And so I think when I get praise, it's a lot easier to view those things that went well. Yeah. It's There's kind of a paradigm shift there. Like, oh, maybe I should focus on this positive aspect of it instead of focusing on that one little, that one extra um, mm-hmm. you know, that I threw in there. That one, that one beat that sped up a little bit. Yeah. Because I think, you know, we grew up, you know, luckily we're, we're very close in age. So mm-hmm. it's like we grew up in a time where... We focus more on you know the report, the report cards for instance like A A D A so it's like we focus more on that you know the negative versus the positive mm-hmm. so that that's been something I'm also trying to shift towards so sure it's definitely like thinking back to like all the times you grew up and like we're good but it's like oh we we did this but but so mm-hmm. it's like 
we're getting there. We're getting there. Yeah. Getting it's a journey. It, it really is. And, uh, you know, we got to just carry on my wayward son. Did you know that there'll be peace when it is? Okay, I can't say anymore because I'll be <laughs> copyright. Lay your weary head to rest. Don't you cry no more. <laughs> da, 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 da. <laughs> there it is. There it is. Um, and I guess so think of to your time in the band uh, and then what did somebody what were some of the criticism that you kind of faced I guess I'm not just thinking about trying the band just like everything that you kind of have done up to that point hmm. uh, it seems not to be super traditional because you know if, uh, yeah again go back traditional try not to use that word too many times but um, you know you let's like after high school you go to college other college you go you know, get a degree. And so sure. there's, there seems to always be a pathway that's laid out for people that are in like elementary school, middle school, high school, college, and blah, blah, blah. Um, you kind of pivoted from that. I did. Um, but you did go to PCC mm-hmm. to be a certified emergency medical technician. I did that part. When I heard that, I was like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah. Tell me about that pivot from the designated path that people usually try to follow. Keone Chats is proudly sponsored by Adelsheim Vineyards. Adelsheim has been a winery in the Pacific Northwest since 1971. Founders David and Ginny Adelsheim opened up the winery with the goal to create world-class wine in the Shehala Mountains of Oregon's Willamette Valley. Adelsheim partners with Growing Gardens, One Barrel, the Portland Trailblazers, and now the Keone Chats podcast show. Uh, Adelsheim has been working with the, the show for a little bit now. So uh, I can't say thank you enough to Emily McMullen and her team for uh, giving this little podcast, this wonderful opportunity for the listeners to try some of the products. Uh, so if you're interested in trying some of Adelsheim's wine, you can go to Adelsheim.com, A-D-E-L-S-H-E-I-M.com. And then go to the menu option in the upper right hand corner and then start creating a cart throw in some rosé throw in some chardonnay throw in some uh, pinot noirs and then maybe something from the merchandise section why not so before you check out use the discount code grand crew g-r-a-n-d-c-r-u for 20 percent off your total purchase that is amazing uh, again thank you thank you thank you thank you to adelsheim for being a sponsor of the show. Um, and so uh, again, that discount code is grand crew G R a N D C R U 20% off your total order. You must be 21 and over to purchase any wine from Adelsheim, but the discount code is still good on merchandise regardless. And so everyone please enjoy responsibly. Sure. Um, well, I got a lot of pressure from, you know, my family, my grandmother specifically, like, you've got to go to college, you've got to yeah. get a degree. And because um, on my mom's side of the family, like, long line of doctors, like, everybody had a degree. And most people, most of them had master's degrees. Um, so it was expected that, like, I've got to go to college, I've got to go and, you know, follow that traditional path. Um, and kind of the way that I had been raised and grown up and saw, I was like, wait, I don't know what I want to do. Mm. I don't want to go tens of thousands of dollars in debt for something that I don't know what I want to do. Like mm-hmm. I kind of want to just get out and kind of feel around and explore a little bit. Um, and then maybe I'll go back to college when I, when I'm more confident yeah. in it. And so that was later on the PCC, the EMT, 
degree or certificate, excuse mm-hmm. me. Um, that was that decision of like, okay, yeah, I think I'm ready. I think I'm ready to pursue this. Mm. And that took a couple of years of just being in the, um, being in the workforce and kind of earning money. And luckily that EMT certificate was all on grants. I didn't have to pay for any of those classes. I had to nice. pay for some of the, some of the tests and stuff, but yeah. all the classes and yeah. prereqs was all done on grants, which I was felt very blessed for. Um, hmm. And then after, after the degree or certificate, excuse me, after the certificate, I just, I didn't pursue it. Hmm. Um, I had kind of a very interesting moment in my ride alongs and shadows. I was uh, in an ambulance for 13 hours and we didn't respond to a single call. Damn. We kind of drove people back and forth from the VA's office of yeah. Vancouver, uh, but we didn't respond to a single call. Hmm. Didn't have to do a welfare check or, you know, nothing, no, no cats in the tree even like there was mm. nothing. And the, the paramedics, um, that I was riding with, they're like, I've been on this job for 12 years and I've never had a day like this. Really? Yeah. And they're like, I'm sorry. Like we wanted to show you some action. We wanted to show you like what was actually going on, but you know, nothing to show you, nothing to show you. And it's through, it's through the school. So there's no do overs. Like you, you kind of get one chance to do it. Okay. And it was the same thing in the, in the emergency room. I did do a 12 hour shadow in the emergency room. Nobody came in, nobody left, nobody crashed. I just kind of sat there and watched them like go through the charts and see the computers. But they're like, yeah, some days are just like this. Sorry. Like it's okay. And it was interesting to have both of those. I kind of took it as a sign like, okay, maybe I'm not supposed to see somebody in such a bad state. Um, Uh, This early, this early. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Um, And I know I took it to heart. It's like, what if, what if I did see somebody like, what if I did see somebody die on the job? You know, how, mm-hmm. how many of those can you take as a person before it really mm. starts to hit you? And so I started to second guess my decision to get a, to get a certificate and become an EMT and maybe go through with the paramedic. I was like, would this, would this break me as a person? Oh, okay. um, and, you know, the idea is you're there to help people, right? Yeah. You're there to save people when yeah. they need it. But the other part of the job is, you know, you, you, people die while you're there. Yeah, you um, see very gruesome things. Yeah, you do on a daily basis. And, and so that was that was kind of frightening, and it was just something that I hadn't really thought about, and it and it scared me away from it. Um, it scared me away from a career. Yeah. In that, um, but I'm very grateful for the knowledge. You know, I still have a lot of the knowledge, even though my certificate has expired. Like, I know how to handle one of those situations. I know what to look for if somebody's, um, in a bad spot. So I think. In the future, as a dad, that'll help me out to think through those things if that ever if that ever comes to be. Mm-hmm. Um, out in the woods, very helpful when there isn't somebody True. always there that you can just call. Hey, is there a doctor? No, there's only a bear. <laughs> <laughs> That's that. And the bear's not going to splint your arm for you. Like, yeah, it'll split your face apart. Yeah, it, absolutely. Yeah, easily. Uh, yeah, and, and you know, just obviously when you did your time with the band, then mm-hmm. uh, you didn't really have this training yet, but. Um, yeah, I'm just thinking like if something were to happen to you guys as you're doing your dispersed camping, it's mm-hmm. like, what what what's your what's your what, plan? What, what's your plan B? <laughs> right. I mean, I've got I've got a first aid kit in my car. I've got yeah. another first aid kit like in my pack. I think I've got like three first aid kits somewhere oh, nice. around always, um, just ready to go. Yeah. Um, that's definitely the benefit of having yeah. you, you know, anywhere we go. And so. um, you know, my buddy has a—he's got a Garmin GPS unit, which if you sign up for the service, it covers—I think it's fifteen thousand dollars in Whoa. life flight or medical coverage. Nice. So, like, if you have to hit that SOS button, the insurance is through the Garmin, which is a really cool—it's a really cool service mm. if they have to life flight you out of there. Because like, ambulances are expensive, helicopters are really expensive. 
fun to probably ride in, but sure. not in the, the circumstance of you riding because you're hurt. Because you're hurt, yeah. Let's let's keep that out of there. <laughs> it doesn't seem like there is a whole lot of time that I know we've talked about so far of you just kind of, you know, enjoying yourself by yourself. You know, you you're kind of doing the EMT stuff with someone else. You're or doing the band with your your friends. Mm-hmm. High school, you had your art classes or your uh, theater class and mm-hmm. art art centric friends um how did you find that comfortability in kind of just doing things on your own um there's really a lot of trial and error it was really through just kind of a lot of hardships and feeling feeling lonely at times and feeling bad about that um i mean covid was kind of a lot for a lot of people it was how a lot was, for a lot of people how was that time for you then um i was working the whole time i was working in uh working in retail that's, that's uh, at a right. hardware store and yeah. so we were the busiest we'd ever been because hmm. everybody who's supposed to stay at home wants to work on their home and do home projects yeah. so everybody goes to the hardware store yeah um and that was that was very stressful because there were always people around and you know there's this fear of the pandemic and of getting sick mm. meanwhile you're interacting with so many people in the public and dealing with drivers delivering things and people like picking things up and just the transfer of goods yeah um Luckily, I, I walked away unscathed. I haven't still haven't had COVID yet. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I'm with you. <laughs> uh, okay, so then you weren't that much alone. So you were able to still be around people, not maybe your own people. But mm-hmm. uh, so then when you got off work and then you're tired or, you know, I did, again, if you were living with someone, mm-hmm. I'm sure that was fine. But it's like, uh, how do you kind of reconnect with yourself after having to, you know, potentially expose, expose yourself to so many things, uh, during the pandemic while working at a hardware store. And then, uh, how did you just be like, okay, I'm fine. I'm fine. Did you ever panic like that when it came to the, the pandemic? Yeah, I did. Um, especially worrying about, you know, my parents, my parents are kind of high risk. Um, they're getting a little bit older. So there was definitely that panic. And then there were some unhealthy coping mechanisms for being alone, drinking, being a lot of being one of them. I think yeah. you know a lot of people developed an alcohol addiction during the pandemic. A little bit, a little bit. Yeah. Um, you might you might have supplied them now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there was you know just that that was a that was a factor. But I also turned to music a lot. Um, you know, there's there was yes my time playing with a band and playing with a group, but that only developed because I had spent time. Just on my own, just kind of doing what I wanted to and fiddle farting around mm-hmm. on a guitar and not making good sounds, but just experimenting and doing mm-hmm. doing things. I during the pandemic I bought a cello, Whoa. which I'd never played before, and nice. I still don't know how to play it. Never played anything with a bow. It's just something pretty to look at then. It is, yeah, it's gorgeous. <laughs> um, but it was that experimentation of okay, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna try something new. Yeah. Um, and I've got a lot of half finished like art projects, um, kind of at home that I picked up and fiddled around with just to kind of pass the time and keep my mind active. Yeah. Um, okay. And now, now that we're out, you know, as out of the pandemic as we can be, mm-hmm. um, how, how did you kind of reestablish your comfortability again with being solitude? Going back to the question I asked, you know, Going, yeah. two, two times ago, it, we're in some sort of an order. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it came through comfortability of being alone. Um, it kind of came through force, forced experience. Like I had to, uh, really be comfortable with myself mm-hmm. and um, not be my loudest critic, not be, um, not feel like I wasn't doing enough. Um, you know, through the EMT and through the band, I felt like I always had to be doing something. I've got to be keeping busy. I've got to be creating this or making this or talking to this person about this. And it was really took me 
taking a step back and be like, no, you're okay to be still. Like I give myself permission to be still. Mm. Um, hmm. And that was, that was a big one to overcome, but it was, it was really valuable. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's also a lot of things I'm figuring out. It's like, you know, my, my, uh, this is like the, we're into the second year of my dad being passed away. And, uh, so, you know, I talk with my therapist, he's like, you know, it's fine for you to feel grief. It's fine for you to feel sad. It's fine for you to feel anger towards, you know, if it's just in general, but it's like, uh, I think he always asked me, is like, is it hard for you to give yourself permission to feel these things? Hmm. And it's like, yes. Yeah. Yes, it is. <laughs> True. And it's one thing to hear it, you know, to hear it from somebody else, but then you've got to believe it yeah. yourself too. Yeah. And I I can partly blame, I guess, you know, the time we grew up in, mm-hmm. uh, also my culture in, in terms of like Asian men having to just be very stoic or just not True. show much emotion. Because uh, I, I kind of also picked that up from my dad in terms of like how he was like saying to other people that he was proud of me, but not really saying it to my brother and I. Hmm. So it's like, huh. Okay. So then when all that kind of kind of poured in, uh, people was like, Oh, your dad always talked about you. I was like, did he though? It's <laughs> like, I didn't see it. So yeah. just having like saying, uh, you know, tell, telling myself that I am okay to accept these things. Yeah. Is that, is that getting easier for you? Do you think? Uh, with time. Yeah. It's always with time, just time and learning how to stop the overthinking. So <laughs> sure. Sure. <laughs> Did, did you, you, have, did you, did you a, ever experience any overthinking during, uh, again, up to this point where you just got your EM, EMT certification and all the time that you had prior to that? Oh, constantly. It was constantly overthinking. Uh, yeah. Relationships, my actions, what I was doing. You know, I always had that voice in my head. It's like, you sure you want to do that? Mm. Are you sure? Yeah. Did you... You said too much. You shouldn't have, you shouldn't have said all that. Like, what if there's a bear? What if there's, <laughs> you, you didn't talk enough, you know, on that, on that date, you really didn't say enough. Like, yeah. why, oh, why did this person do this? Why did this person do this? Um, got very overly critical, um, of myself and of just of everything around me, looking for every nuance and spinning it and turning it. And it just kind of took me being like, no, you don't need to think about that. Like just yeah. turn that, flip that switch off. And it wasn't easy. Yeah. Um, cause I can, I can imagine you know, I did. I do like work with my hands too. You know, I I built these thing, these side tables, for example, and put that put that thing together. Um, but that did help in terms of like getting myself distracted from when I my overthinking was kind of running rampant. Um, what are some of your tactics when it comes to yeah, just overthinking, kind of going on overload, or just uh, you know handling the traditional life challenge of being overwhelmed? Overwhelmed. Yeah. Um, writing was my biggest one um writing down you know i get kind of in a thought loop um of overthinking and overthinking and so i'd be able to put to uh, put a pen to a paper and just start just kind of train of thought um stream of consciousness kind of thing like this is what i'm thinking this is what i'm thinking and it would help me order those thoughts and i would be able to get past that loop okay um yeah get past that you know I'm, I'm not doing enough at work. You know, I, I have this unfinished project. I have this, I have this. It's like, oh, well, now that I have it all written down, maybe if I just start in this one little spot, mm. it kind of helps, helps free the mind, releases yeah. all of those, um, you know, 15 things that are all stuck and all in one place. You can look at it and it's like, okay, well, no, maybe I'll just, I'm just going to focus on this today. Mm. I'm just going to focus on this today. This isn't actually as important. Yes, it's adding to that overwhelming feeling, but... And compartmentalize it um, a little bit, which has been the hugest help for me. You know, mm. instead of looking at everything all at once. 
Yeah. And you also, in our conversations leading up to today, mm-hmm. uh, that you have also shut down when it did come to being overwhelmed. Uh, what does that look like for you? Um, I mean, it looks like it looks like frustration. I'm usually a pretty even keel guy, but I'll get get very angry. I'll start swearing, and I just like, nope, I can't, I can't do this. I'll just walk away from a situation, mm. um, kind of clear my head, yeah. um, and then usually when I come back, I'm looking at things from a different angle. I'm not from that angry, upset, um, but it's just recognizing that, you know, I just can't be here right now. This is just mm. a lot, and it's kind of going on, and I'm getting better at communicating that. Um, which is, you know, it's not good to just walk away from a situation and not let anybody know what's going on. Yeah, they're like, what the hell's Owen? He's <laughs> supposed to be playing right now. <laughs> it's like, he was in a really bad mood. I wonder what's going on. It's that communication of like, hey, I need a minute. Like, I'm going to calm yeah. down. Like, for that split second, hey, I need a minute. Like, come back to the situation in a second. Just give me five minutes. Yeah. And that's usually met with met with respect. Okay. Well, that's, uh, yeah, it's definitely trying to find ways to... You know, kind of navigate through the overwhelmingness of life, the, mm-hmm. you know, the overthinking that I, you know, you do on a daily basis, mm-hmm. uh, and then also just that uncomfortability of, you know, what to do with the next step. Right. So, when it came to, you know, just applying for the Federal Aviation Administration, the FAA, the FAA, and for the air traffic controller mm-hmm. position, um, okay, so. You said earlier that your your grandma, who mm-hmm. whom passed away, mm-hmm. uh, my condolences. Thank you. Um, she was kind of your biggest you know, component to like saying, "Hey, you should kind of go back to that path of like school and yeah. college, wanna." Yeah. Um, did you have a chance to tell her about this adventure that um, at, least at that point you were kind of you know kind of in the early stages of? I did. Um, I did, and uh, actually, the last the last conversation I had with her before she passed was the day that I got the formal offer letter. Hey. So I got to tell her that like, Hey, I got accepted into this program. Like this is the next step. Yeah. Um, and in the months leading up to that, you know, she'd always wanted me to go back to school and wanted me to go back to school. But I remember having one conversation with her and she didn't bring up school. She, mm-hmm. you know, asked me about my job and I said that I was happy and I liked my coworkers and she said, Oh, you're happy. I was like, yeah, grandma, I'm happy. And she said, okay, that's the most important part. Okay. I, was like, I know I've been on you about getting a degree, but if you're happy, that's the most important part. I never heard her say that before. Huh. Um, it's kind of fun. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. another side of you. <laughs> uh, so, and now as you know, you're kind of embarking on this journey and she's no longer with us. Mm-hmm. Um, how are you kind of keeping her in mind as you're going through these different stages of, you know, you know, you, you got accepted, you're in that kind of like weird limbo stage before you officially head out. Yeah. And then how are you kind of foreseeing yourself handling the next bit of this journey with her in mind? With her in mind. Um, well, one of the stops that I'm going to make on my drive out to Oklahoma is to see my cousin who she was also the grandmother of. So we get to spend that time with her and get to reconnect and kind of talk about her life. Um, she was, my grandma loved to send books. Hmm. I'd get a book like twice a year. Um, if she found a book that she liked, she'd buy one for everybody. Wow. And she's like, you've got to read this. You've got to read this. So I still have a lot, I still have a lot of her books. Um, How many of those have you actually read? Yeah, no, it's sorry, Grandma. <laughs> I I'm a very slow reader, so it's like yeah. if, if my grandma did the same thing, I'm like I'm I'm like swimming to my eyeballs. In my books right now. <laughs> I can't do these all, <laughs> but I still have a lot of them, and so I'm gonna yeah. take those take those with me nice. and um, kind of use her as inspiration to like keep reading because you know in a in a very digital world, um, 
there were a long number of years where I didn't find myself with an actual physical book in my hand. Yeah. And I started reading recently again and I missed it. I just missed yeah, that, that, just that immersive experience. And again, like the, the, what to do when you're alone or when you're overwhelmed, like just immerse yourself in a book, in a well-written book in another world. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a lot of fun. Um, so yeah, I, I started picking up reading, you know, pandemic time because mm-hmm. it's like, I, that's also about the time where I was, you know, starting the podcast. And so I was very much in front of a screen, whether it was computer, you know, computer for webcam or for Zoom. That's the word. Um, <laughs> or just computer for work or phone. And then uh, so I was like, I, I kind of want to break. And so I, I got really good at it. But now it's to that point where, like, I read if I can't fall asleep. Oh, okay. So it's like I use it to kind of like exhaust my brain out. Sure. And it's like it's been working because I'm not like trying to fall asleep at like 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night. And it's like, crap, I've worked. And so it's like I'm going to – maybe I'll just be on my phone. I don't know. So um, other than using reading as your way to kind of de-stress, um, what has been another kind of like nice hidden benefit of diving back into books? Um I mean, the, the mental stimulation is huge. Like the visualization instead of, you know, just sitting there and scrolling through, scrolling through videos and just kind of being, um, mindless. bombarded. Yeah. Mindless. Yeah. Uh, just by doom scrolling. Um, and there's also, there's a lot of knowledge to be gained in books. There's a lot of, a lot of history. Um, I love reading biographies. I love reading, you know, about people, mm-hmm. um, as well as funny stories. Uh, there's a, increases your vocabulary too like to read That's a book true. i've noticed that too i was like wow i'm i'm stringing together some pretty good sentences good job Kimmy. <laughs> good job <Kimmy. laughs> um and i think there's a there's something to be said for you know figuring out figuring out your likes and dislikes to be able to say like you know what i don't want to finish this book this isn't this isn't doing it for me it's not it's not getting my goat i'm gonna yeah. set it down yeah um i mean do you, have a, do you have a favorite book that you read during the pandemic um there, there was this one book called The Con Artist, which it's about a murder mystery at a Comic-Con convention. Oh, okay. So I was like, this is fun. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that, was, that was probably the most memorable. And then I think I jumped around a little bit. Uh, so the book I'm reading now. So running is something that I've liked to do when I can. But like, obviously... My, my knees have been starting to act up a little bit, so it's like I can't go as far out as I'd like or I can, but I need to get different shoes. Um, but it's basically different. Or they take the whole calendar year and all the days within it, and they find uh, – is it – oh, God. It's like historic moments in time in the running community for like let's say today, uh, June 17th, and then like, oh, oh, cool. June 18th, June 19th. So it's like – it's fun. It's a lot. Um, okay. But are they like short stories? Or are they kind of in it's depth? A, it's like a paragraph. Oh, a okay. Paragraph. Okay. So it's one. It's fun, but then the artwork they put into it. It's also like very nice to look at and a little bit distracting. But then some of the grammar is also kind of kind of runs together. So that's the, kind of been the hard part. For huh, me to kind runs of like, runs together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this guy. This guy. <laughs> Uh, so, okay, going back to you, uh, the traffic controller, air traffic controller. Yes. How did you even find out about this? Um, my roommate saw it on Reddit. That's the part where I, I, you told me about it and I was like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, it's, it was so surprising. Like, um, cause normally it's, I mean, it's a government job. Yeah. So normally it's very closed off unless you're in 
kind of the pool of government employees. Yep. And they've been doing it recently because I'm sure you've heard about the air traffic controller shortage, all the close calls on runways and stuff that are going on right now. Sure. Um, there's no, a, but yes. <laughs> no, maybe because it's in my Google feed. Like yeah. I just see all this stuff come up. Yeah. Um, but so about a week a year, and they did this actually back in the beginning of May this year, there's about a week where they open up applications to the general public. And so my roommate saw it on Reddit and he's like, hey, at the end of the month, like there's going to be like five days where this application is just open. Um, I had to be under 30 when I applied. So I got in, got into that by just a couple months. Nicely done. Um, no vision correction. Like you can't be colorblind. You can't have really bad vision, have to have good hearing. Yeah. Um, and I was like, oh, that'd be neat. Huh. Yeah, I'm huh. sure. Let's see what happens. Throw, throw it at the wall, see if it sticks. Um, and so that was in July. Of last year. Wow, it's been almost a year long process. So that was in July of last year and just applied and they sent the response like, cool, we got it. And, you know, we'll let you know. Yeah. Um, and didn't hear anything back until like September. Wow. And they were like, hey, you know, we got your application. Looks like you check all the boxes. We want you to do a skills assessment test because then I guess they got like 50,000 applicants. Yeah. They what? I mean, it's the government. So. It's go- yeah. <laughs> so they're like, okay, we're going to, we're going to put you through this, um, skills tests to see if you've got if you've got what it takes to even train to do the job mm-hmm. um and so that was about a three and a half hour test jeez yeah <laughs> good yeah um dealing with like number memorization um solving basic like algebra equations there was some um, uh, looking at radars and having to like determine if planes are going to crash mm. uh spatial awareness so, like if this plane's here and then this plane's here is the smaller one to the right or to the left, and then they'll switch it around. Um, meanwhile, there's like equations going on at the bottom that you've got to try to answer. Um, there's a, there's a personality test that went on with it. Um, oh, <laughs> so it was it was intense. Yeah, it was intense. And then I walked out and I was like, I have no idea how I did. Yeah, I have no idea how that went. Um, and then a couple months go by. It's that kind of that hurry up and wait uh, scenario. Uh, a couple months went by, and I got an email and said, hey, we got your results. Uh, we put you in the best qualified category. So now you get to go through this next set of tests and this next set of um, everything that's going on, mm. which involved a physical 640-question uh, personality inventory. Wow. Which I was talking to uh, a relative recently who is a psychologist. Yeah. And I was describing it to her. It's like, oh, it's the MMPI too. And she's like, oh, that's used to diagnose like schizophrenia. <laughs> so I was like, oh. This is comforting. Okay. <laughs> I guess they don't want schizophrenics in a, yeah, I in mean, a government job. They're lost. They're lost. <laughs> uh, okay. So extensive. Extensive. Very extensive. Yeah. What? So you're on your. Your next stop is going to be in Oklahoma, and you said you're going to do a road trip. Yep. Um, when you get there, what's going to be the first thing they're going to have you do? Do you know, do you know yet? I don't know yet. Okay. Um, so starting in about two weeks, I do online courses. So I'll spend okay. a month here at home just to kind of do online basics, probably a lot of terminology yeah. um, and stuff. But the classes that I do in Oklahoma City are actually at the airport. Oh. The FAA facility is attached to the Oklahoma City airport. Okay. Um so I don't know if we'll be in a tower. Hmm. Um, there's a whole lot of unknowns about what the job actually entails. Hmm. Um, 
It's got to be exciting, though. It, it, it is. It's terrifying, <laughs> but it's exciting. Yeah. 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 Um, so I brought this up also in our kind of our, our previous hangout, but uh, there's a TV show on Disney Plus called The World According to Jeff Goldblum. Yes. Uh, so we were watching. I was trying to get my, my partner into it, uh, and she was like, uh, you know, it's so-so. But this one that we watched, uh, it was – him in a air traffic control tower, and then he's basically, but it's like an assimilation. So right. he would try to give all the directions, and then next thing you know, he they crash. Yeah. Uh, obviously, it's virtual again, but it's still like just seeing, just imagining you doing that. It's like, ooh, man, it's a very, it's a very stressful job. Yeah, um, and so you know, trying to figure out those feelings of okay, what to do when I get overwhelmed. Because yeah. I will. I'm sure I will. There's going to be very, very stressful jobs. So trying to organize my mind a little bit that way in preparation for that. <laughs> well, I think you, you're going to do great. And so, I mean. Well, thank you. Appreciate it's, that. It's going to be, just imagine like trying to say like, oh, yeah, this guy I did Dragon Boats with. This guy I hung out with here or there in mm-hmm. high school. Uh, yeah, he is helping planes land with, <laughs> with people. I'm like, wow. Life, right? Life, yeah. <laughs> How did we get here? I don't, Reddit. 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 Thanks, Reddit. You're, you're so great, guys. You're so great. You know, you, you hit 30. Mm-hmm. And so something we also wanted to, you know, you you, you brought up is that uh, life continues past. It's not, this is not like the end all be all yeah. of the 30s. Because um, I'm 31. So hearing people say, oh, you're in your 30s now. It's like, I don't know what that means. Um, what can you say? Obviously, you can't tell the future, but like looking ahead from this point, um, how do you feel that your 30s are going to differ from your 20s? Um, Well, I feel like in my 30s, everything, I actually understand the consequences kind of of all of my actions. Um, You know, there's a lot less time to just kind of do whatever and have fun. Like everything, everything is a little bit higher stakes. Sure. I feel like that'll, you know, the stakes will get higher at 40, the stakes will get higher at 50. Yeah. Um, but I also have a lot more experience from stuff that I did in my 20s. So the decisions that I make, I'm going to be more confident in in my 30s. Um, True. As far as what the future holds, I'm looking forward to, you know, deciding, okay, is this what I want to do for the rest of my life? Or is this just what I want to do for this week? Yeah. Um, and making that conscious decision kind of with everything that I do. Mm-hmm. I'm excited for that. No, you know, it's the road. I mean, I think uh, I was talking with a friend, uh, or actually a coworker, and he's, you know, 29. And so I asked him, like, oh, how do you feel that you're about to hit 30 next year? He's like, oh, it's fine. 30s are basically your 20s, but you have more money. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I like that. All right. Fair enough. I like that. Fair enough. But just trying to think, like, how I handled my 20s and the, how I'm, like, now handling my, you know, one year into 30s. Yeah. Uh, it's like, yeah, I think the world, I think it's going to be a much more thought out Keone. Not so much because I was very impulsive back then too. Me too, yeah. So it's very much like, okay, I need to stop and think. And then I can act. Mm-hmm. It's a, like there are times where like I was going off instinct and what I you know just shift to a new position. I was going off instinct and then now going off instinct at this new position, it's like, oh, I shouldn't be doing that. So it's like, ooh, ooh, ooh. Well, and you got to listen to your body too, you know. Like you mentioned your knees with running. Like you can't go out and run a mile every day now because your knees won't like it. So maybe your knees will tell you like, hey, today we're just going to chill. Like, Yeah. Or it's like, hey, maybe slow down a little bit. Yeah. Maybe slow down. Mm-hmm. Olin Muller, I know you are 
this is your time in Oregon is going to be coming down to a close at least for now. But uh, man, this has been. I love getting to reconnect with you. Yeah, Not the second time around. First yes. time around was over fried chicken. so Which was delicious. It was so good. I kind of want some more right now. But <laughs> uh, so, uh, the, again, getting to at least get your story out there. Thank, thank you for being the first one to reach out. And, well, thank you for putting the opportunity out there. Like I would have, you know, I've seen, I've seen your stuff, listened to some of your interviews, and I never thought like that I should do that. And then you put it out there. It's like, yeah, you know what? That'd be neat. Yeah. It, was there any kind of like hesitancy at least when it came to like you me finally doing it or finally putting it out there to the world like hey if you want this come basically absolutely um, there's a huge hesitance because you know is that like well why me why, why tell my story like my story's not that special I guess what do I what do I have to say that you couldn't have somebody else come on and say well that's true there is only one you oh, I appreciate long haired mustached you. <laughs> Uh, I like to finish my interviews by asking two questions from this packet of 250 would-you-rather questions. Ooh, okay. Uh, before, it used to be hypothetical, but I was like, you know, let's evolve it a little bit. Let's do something. Plus, the questions were getting a little too convoluted. Okay. So I was like, yeah, I'm just going to keep it a little simple. Um, and you know what? I might give you three because why not? Okay. Uh, so first one, would you rather be – Chronically underdressed or overdressed? Chronically underdressed or overdressed? It's a thinker. It is a thinker. Because you have to think like, what if you get invited to a wedding? Right. Or it's like, hey, we're having this nice little hangout at the park, which I think you're going to after this, but... <laughs> I don't really need to be in a suit and tie for a hangout at the park. Yeah, exactly. But I also don't want to be in, you know, Bermuda shorts at a wedding. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think I'd rather be overdressed. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, I think it feels good to look good. It's exhausting, um, but it's, it is, it is yeah. very fun. It is very fun. Um, I would, I would do, uh, overdress as well just because it's, I like wearing suits. I do too. I like ties. It feels good. Yeah. It's like my chest pops out a little bit. I'm like, Hey, hey <laughs> what is going on? I am in a nice looking suit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then would you, let's see. Well, this this might actually work best. Uh, would you rather labor under a hot sun or extreme cold? I'd rather be in the hot sun. Because I imagine you've done both. I have done both, okay. yes. Um, I mean, it's it's exhausting to work in the sun, um, but just to work in the cold while your muscles are going. Um, extreme cold, too. Extre yeah, extreme cold. Uh, Not just regular cold. Uh, get frostbite, like limbs start falling off. Yeah. Um, my nose gets really runny when it's cold. It's just... Not fun. I so you know in in Oregon we tend to have these like stretches of like eighty to maybe a hundred and ten days during the summer. Mm -hmm. So I remember I was working landscaping and it was during one of those like hundred plus degree days. Oh jeez! And my coworker was just like sitting down. He's like, God, oh, it's so hot. And I was just like, I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> I just rolled up my sleeves. I'm like, I'm fine. I'm fine. So it's one of those things where like, I think that was one of those moments where like I thought, Am I in the wrong state? Because I can do fine in hot weather. Like my, my partner, she also can't do well in hot weather, but it's like, I kind of like it. You know, it's tan, but also, yeah, it, it does get hard to, you know, as long as you're hydrated. As long as you're hydrated, that's the big one. Yeah. When I, you know, I think about, you know, our football days and like three days in the hot sun in August and like, yeah, it's, it's exhausting being under all that equipment, but stay hydrated and they're fine. You're fine. You're You'll fine. get through it. Uh, would you rather have universal respect or unlimited power? Respect. Yeah. Respect. Oh yeah. 
don't even have to think about that one. But well, because power, it's more of like the you know supervillain, right? I feel like that's on supervillain territory. Hey, we don't abs- absolute power, like yeah, give me all the gold, give me all the money, all, all the power. Like, no, I'd rather have respect because I think respect promotes power. I think with respect, power is evenly distributed. Yeah, yeah, we're very we're virgin, very close on a Spider Man core <laughs> right there. Uh, Olin Muller, Kiona Conlu. Where can the people find you on social media? Um, Facebook, Instagram, uh, Facebook Olin Foster Miller, uh, Instagram as Oleander. Um, which is a poisonous flower. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. Is that is that a metaphor? No, it was just a nickname. Okay. All right. Cool. One, cool. Of the, one of those weird nicknames <laughs> that just kind of like, oh, it's stuck. Sure. Let's do it. Um, don't have a Twitter. Don't have a... You have what, a link. What though. else is there? I think so. I, I sent a request. Still pending. Okay. Oh, okay. I haven't, I, haven't, I haven't been on my LinkedIn in a very long time. <laughs> uh, and again, with this next chapter in your life, I'm, I can't express how exciting that is for you and how excited I am Thank for you. you. Thank you. Um, and now that you have this podcast episode under your name, how do you feel? Um, I feel good. I feel like we had a very, a very good conversation. I feel like it's very one-sided. I'd love to... We'll, we'll have more. We'll have more. We'll I have would, more. I would love to see a Keone chat interview with Keone. Like, I did do one, but that was like a really long time ago. Okay. So it's like, I was, I've been thinking about trying to do an update, but I was like, eh, we'll see. Yeah, we'll sure. see. But, but yeah. Uh, thank you for having me. It's been a, it's been a pleasure. Yeah. It's been great to have you on. Um, do you have to cut the hair? No. Oh. As far as I know, I don't. Okay. Um, they haven't, they haven't told me one way or the other. Um, I swear, folks, if you're listening, you're like, this guy loves his hair. Um, you're right. So <laughs> I'm more worried about just going to Oklahoma with long hair. That's also, yeah, that's yeah. going to be, be fun. Yeah. But you're, you're, you'll do fine. You got I'll, for, I'll eat a bunch of barbecue. It'll be fine. You have first aid kits up the wazoo. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. You're good. You're good. <laughs> Thank you, Olin. Thank you. <laughs> giant thank you to the guests for telling their story and a giant thank you to you for sticking around until the end of the episode if you like what you heard and want more episodes from keone chats subscribe on your preferred podcast platform and be in the loop for when new episodes are released you can also get notified through social media when you follow kc media 13 on both instagram and twitter and conluke media on facebook if you're interested in becoming a guest on the show Email me your story at kcmedia13 at yahoo.com. I'd love to talk with you and uh, get an interview scheduled. So until the next episode, everyone, please take care.